You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody. Locked On Browns, as always, with your host, Jeff Lloyd. Uh, We are going to get through uh, our last episode here of the Combine uh, preps here with the offensive line. Uh, we have some running back weigh-ins. We have some offensive line weigh-ins. We're going to get into that stuff as well here for your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. Uh, guys, whether it's in the car, whether it's at home, you know, whatever hands-free device you have, play Locked On Browns podcast and have it fired up for you. I uh, hope you guys checked out the new logos. Uh, those are actually pretty cool that the uh, network was putting together here. A lot more tighter, a lot more sleeker. Um, just a nice look. Um, guys, uh, the response over the last few days, uh, I figured this would be the first down month for the show you know, since the regular season, you know, you know, stupid February only gave me 28 days to work with as opposed to 30 or 31. Um, but we're certainly making a race of it here, uh, you know, with about 24 hours to go here before the, uh, you know, the uh, bell would ring for the month, so to speak. So, uh, guys, pick up your friends' phones, uh, subscribe, download for them if they're not doing it. Uh, any message, any shows you haven't gotten to, man, subscribe, you know, download, download, download. Let's see if we can somehow beat that number with three less days. Um, like we've been doing with the uh, uh, scouting, uh, the NFL Combine preview shows. Uh, Pete Smith here for the daily, daily stuff like this. We're gonna, you know, continue to do it this way. Um, Pete started off here today, and you know, I, I guess we'll go running backs first because we still got the offensive line to preview here. But uh, you know, starting to get some sizes on these guys, and look where exactly the Browns are in with this. And I mean, if you want to go with Freddie, Freddie speaking today, maybe that's a good place to start because uh, if Freddie just every time Freddie speaks, I think just ingratiates himself more and more to people who cover this team and to this fan base. Oh, uh, he's he's the complete opposite of John Dorsey, who suffers from foot and mouth disease quite a bit. Um, he Hugh used what, to say five sentences too many. John Dorsey says sometimes, like, he knows Inuit with, I can't say anything about that, and then he usually opens with it. <laughs> now, whether that's, you know, the fact that that uh, Kitchens had time to sort of prepare for it, I I, I just think he's very bright, uh, you know, obviously a for, former quarterback. Uh, but I also think, you know, and I think he likes this. I, I doubt he'd ever admit it publicly, but I think he likes the fact that there is a certain amount of population that will always sort of assume he's not as bright as he is because of the accent and that he sort of gets to use that to his advantage. But he's clearly very bright, uh, smart on his feet, and he at least said all the right things when it came to Kareem Hunt. Uh, He sounded almost more like a father than he did a football coach in the fact that he talked about how, you know, Kareem Hunt hasn't earned the right to play yet. That's going to be a process – you know, obviously we, we haven't gotten to the punishment stage yet with the NFL, but it sounds like, at least from what he's saying, that there's also one when it comes to the Cleveland Browns, which, you know, let, let's take him at his word. That's great. Like, that's what you want to hear as opposed to Dorsey, who who seemed to take a bad situation and make it worse. Again, I think at the time he underestimated how big of a deal it was going to be, uh, but Freddie Kitchen handled it like a pro and it sounded great. And then, you know, the easiest thing he did was he basically said, as as we talked about in this podcast, Nick Chubb's the dude. Like, yep. make no mistake, he's the guy. And then he, you know, knocked down any idea that they were going to move Duke Johnson to be receiver, which, again, it, that does, A, it doesn't mean anything, and B, you're limiting him if he's just a receiver. You can literally put him anywhere on the field right now. So you can call him whatever you want. 
He's a weapon, is what Two Johnson is. Um, and I, I think even for Freddie, maybe it was maybe more of a, you know, this is hopefully what the message was going to be about Kareem Hunt. And look, I mean, you know, one of the reasons Freddie Kitchens has got this gig is Nick Chubb. So, I mean, you love the fact he's going to go ride or die for his guys. And we did start to trans, uh, transcend in a, in a way into here. Uh, and we're starting to, you know, we're going to get, you know, as the days go on, more and more action out of Mobile here. Uh, running back way ins today. And uh, it was interesting um, it, where, if there's even a shopping experience here. Um, first one I'm going to go to, Pete, um, David Montgomery. And we had talked about him with the running back preview. You know, maybe some teams, you know, the name doesn't seem to be as hot as it should. So maybe he's not going to test athletically. But first things first, I mean, just looking at it, he's a running back. And he's got a wingspan of over 77 inches. That's insane. He's smacking dudes while he's sitting in coach that are in first class. That is an amazing arm length for running back. Probably shows why he was breaking that many tackles. He, I mean, you, you joke about the you know the third leg drill that running backs do. I, I don't know, even know if he has to bend over to do it. Right. Uh, to, to, to keep his balance. It's, it's, you know, I don't know how much it really ends up mattering, but it's just interesting. Uh, the fact that he can basically backhand people from across the room, uh, you know, if he's got the ability to sort of use that, you know that that swift right arm of justice and like fend people off. Yeah, you know this is a great week for him. I, I think he's getting underrated again. I don't know if this is just boredom or whatever. I know there are certain people who still love him, think he's arguably the best back in the class. Uh, but you know he's one of those guys where I feel like this is a no lose situation. He can fall back on phenomenal tape for a couple of years, and you know the. It seems like the expectation is he's going to be slow. So anything better than that, and he's going to come out as, you know, when they come out and who made money and all that nonsense, he's going to be on that list if he has a good week. Yeah, and if anything, I mean, you know, he could easily end up being a guy underdrafted and, you know, it's going to come back to bite some teams in the ass. Um, Josh Jacobs, you know, most people's consensus number one. Um, The way in, you know, exactly what you're looking for if you're building a running back. Five foot ten, two twenty. Uh, hands over 10 inches, arms uh, closer to 32 than 31, wingspan at 74 and change. Um, we've gone over him, obviously, you know, in our thoughts on him. But, uh, you know, I mean, if you're looking for a measurement and what you want your running back to look like, that's pretty much about it. Sure. Uh, now, the fact that he isn't doing certain things makes it that much easier to, you know. For guys like us, we're we're going to amp it up a little bit more. The guys who are saying, no, it's fine, it's fine. They're going to run that way. But for us, it's like, well, it, you know, the thing for me is, is, well, how can you do some of it but not all of it? That's the part I always don't understand. You're either out, which, hey, I, I'll give you a pass. If you're hurt and you can't do anything, I understand. But if you're going to avoid, well, I mean, for us, the ones that are going to make or break some things, th- that gets tough. Well, but it also makes it so, you know, if you're not testing and you show up in way, it makes it very easy for you to, you know, put up a, you know, an arbitrary number or something like water weight or one way or the other, you lose weight, gain weight, all that, you know, stuff that happens. And then, you know, you have a month or a month and a half or whatever it is. Usually Alabama's is pretty quick, usually in a couple of weeks yep. uh, where you can sort of, you know, take the time to actually get more to that weight you know, with better weight. So, you know, it, with, with Josh Jacobs, so much is on his testing because there's so little with tape and stuff in terms of actual production that, you know, it does raise an eyebrow every time, you know, one of these type of guys basically says, ah, I'm going to hold off. You know, it's certainly not 
anything we're looking to draft anyway, so it makes it even easier to be skeptical. But yeah. by all means, you want to take Josh Jacobs in the top 16 picks in the NFL draft, God bless you. Go right ahead and do it. Oh, no question. I mean, you know, he's in that he's in one of the one of the things like any quarterback and certain other players are basically anything that gets that guy out of the way that knocks down real targets uh, closer to the Bronx pick. Absolutely. Love it. All for it. Um, now, uh, your guy here in Memphis, uh, Daryl Henderson, um, uh, a little under five, eight and a half, uh, weight almost 210 at 208. Um, hands a little small, eight and a half. Uh, arms thirty-one. Wingspan at almost seventy-four. Not, you know, I think thick enough. Uh, but look, I mean, we all know what his game is. I mean, the guy's a Porsche for God's sakes. Yeah, and you know, my my like taste when it comes to running backs, I like short like short guys. It's just so guys who are short and thickly packed like that just have such a natural advantage when it comes to leverage and. You know, if, when you, you watch defense play, you know, early in the game when they're fresh, they don't have a problem going down and getting that guy. You know, it gets to the third and fourth quarter and they're exhausted. It gets harder and harder to really want to bend down there to make the right tackle and, and you start missing some of these plays. And guys like him then take advantage. And, and, and he's a guy where you give him you give him a little bit of a window and suddenly he's 70 yards down the field. So, you know – 208 pounds at 5'8 and 3'8, that's a thick man. Yep. Uh, and he carries know, it in the legs. So, yeah, and, and if he's going to run fast at that speed, which we all expect he will, that's great. Like, you know, we're not that far removed. Like, there was a Priest Holmes and, like, there was a whole group of backs that were all, like, 5'9", 200-something pounds, and they just destroyed the league with that type of setup. So I like guys that tend to be short. Obviously, Nick Chubb is a taller guy like that but that is what Kareem Hunt is if you're if you're a guy like you know you you're a guy who likes Kareem Hunt he's a short kid who's thick all right and guys my you know I've talked a lot uh my personal favorite Benny Snell almost five foot ten and a half 224 hands at almost nine and a half 31 inch arms and a wingspan at 74 and a quarter uh I still would love him here even after the Hunt signing I'm just a Benny Snell guy uh I think he would make a great Compliment if, God forbid, something happened where Nick Chubb was unavailable, you know, for some time here, guys. Um, we'll give you our running backs measurements and breakdowns there. Obviously, some thoughts here. We're going to get to the offensive line and all that stuff. Um, guys, iTunes, rating reviews, they always help the show. Um, help me promote. I don't have to ask you for much other than to hit a five-star, leave a quick written review if you'd be so kind. Thank you, guys. All right, Pete. Um, I guess we'll start on the offensive. You know, I mean, interior offensive line, you know, maybe, but, I mean, that would be the one would be the absolute stunner unless it was just a day seven guy that, you know, maybe they had some history with the school or a guy they just liked. But this tackle class, I mean, for the most part, I mean, these boys are big. There's just no way around it. Um, you know, almost all of them, you know, you're talking north of six foot four, just an impressive, impressive group. Um, you know, I guess we'll start with Jonah Williams, uh, you know, six, four and a half. Only only 302, hands are over 10, arms are 33 and a half, as our buddy Jim Coburn says, 33 and a half for him. And you guys know how, when we talk about it, his his numbers go back, guys, and they go back 25 and 30 years. So when Jim, I, I trust Jim's research here. So if he says 30, 33 and a half is the mark, it's the mark. Uh, wingspan almost at 82. Jonah Williams here, you know, obviously he checked the boxes here on the size. Is he going to be able to move like a left tackle needs to move? 
that's the question, and and you know, there's no, you know, you, you log on Twitter, and there's no middle ground with Jonah Williams. It is people who are either all in or or all out on him. They're, like, I, I guess you and I are closer to the out part, but like, you know, there's there's some serious arguments, and and I I could give a shit about arm length. I'm a height guy, uh, and and if you you know. With Jim Coburn, if you look at it, height is always always translated better in terms of offensive tackle success than arm length has. So, you know, if you're looking at that, it would say Jonah Jonah Williams is more suited to be a guard than he is a tackle. But, you know, if he's really athletic, and I'm a little dubious on that front, then go nuts. But you know, he he's got to you know test some test really really well to keep himself in that mix for me. But I, you know, I, I just think a lot of guys came in. You you sort of touched on it. This is a really impressive tackle class, at least physically. There are a lot of guys who sort of check those boxes. So Jonah Williams has that that name recognition and advantage. He's obviously got a lot of good tape. I think he's got a couple games where he's really questionable, and, and you can certainly make a case against him. Uh, but he's got to prove it, and this is a difficult field for him to do it against. So that'll be worth watching. Uh, for me, one of the interesting ones, uh, Jawan Taylor, obviously has gained a lot of steam here at the University of Florida. And um, if anyone's followed the story and we had talked about it with Dan Shanka, um, you know, he was a guy who was, you know, you know, a little north of 400 pounds as a junior in high school. You know, Florida was his dream school. He wanted to go to Florida. They said, look, we're not going to touch you. We're not going to offer you until you get yourself in the range of 350. Not only do that, he shows up here to the combine at 312. It's good. It shows commitment. Pete, my wondering is, is this maybe too much weight loss and, you know, is he going to be weaker and, you know, almost like, is it going to affect him in the way he tests because he's not used to carrying this light amount of frame? It's a good question. I mean, I, I think part of this depends on what did he actually play at this season? Because he's also often listed at like 340, wasn't he? Yep. Um, was he really 340 or was he was it more like 330 325 and this is just padding you know, it not padding it to look good on the uh, on the on the uh, program yeah well i mean so many of those programs they just basically ask you um and you put up whatever so it's a good question uh 61195 pete 61195 <laughs> i've never so, seen either of those numbers in my life so if you know if he goes out and has you know a less than ideal testing day assuming he's going to do everything then maybe he comes back and and they you know get him back up to like 320 or 315 or whatever he's you know more comfortable at um certainly you know if, if he tests well it's going to make people feel really good about him uh there are plenty of people who think he's the best offensive tackle in this class uh you know this is one of those things where you hope for his sake it's like a Larry Ogunjobi situation where the dude literally just changed his life in terms of how he 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 chooses to deal with his body. Obviously, Larry Ogunjobi was a 350-pound kid uh, that put down the video games and everything, and just got sick of being picked on. Nuts. Exactly. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go crack some skulls. So you know, he completely changed his body. I hope for Joan Taylor that is the case, and it's not like a money grab situation where he sees the dollar signs and sees what he can do. Yeah, that was and one then, thing. That's one thing Dan Shanka said. He's like, "Well, you got to worry about now money. He's going to go out, and it'll be prime rib night, and it's going to be prime rib for two, and he's the only guy in the restaurant. You know, you got to be careful of that stuff." So yeah, you you worry about him being Aaron Gibson, who you know was a first round pick who was over 400 pounds for the Lions. Uh, His knees are still screaming for mercy. So, 
you know, everything, you know, everything you hope with Juwan Taylor is hopefully he's sitting there coming to the combine going, I've never felt this good. And it, and it tests like that. And in which case, you know, he's going to go super, super early and it, and it may be warranted. He's got everything else. Height, arm length, if you're a fan of that, wingspan, big hands, you know, he looks great. Yep. Now, um, with the re-signing of Greg Robinson, and, you know, there's a lot of talk. But look, with the five con- five guys they have under contract and basically re-keeping the offensive line, I-, I don't know if you're drafting somebody to play. Obviously, you have, you know, uh, Austin Corbett here in the mix as well. But if you're looking for a guy that maybe on day three, who's an interesting guy as an offensive ta- tackle prospect, let's hope the feet pan out. Oli Uda out of Elon. Six, five and a half, 323, 10-inch hands, 35, almost 35 and a half inch uh, arms, wingspan north of 85. These are the guys you try to pick on day three if you can see some decent footwork out of them and you tell your offensive line coach, hey, this is what we brought you here for. We already had our offensive line in-house. But if you can make this dude a player for next year, let's see what you got, bud. Right, I think... I think Ole Udo is sort of the dream for a guy like James Campen, and I think that's the dream scenario for the Browns. This is what he – these are the type of guys – and certainly he's bigger, uh, but this is the type of guy he would get in Green Bay, and they would develop and become a player. David Bakhtiari is going to be a Hall of Famer, is in that mold. J.C. Treader, obviously now with the Browns, in that mold. They've had a lot of success taking late draft picks and – Undrafted free agents is certainly Brian Bulaga, first-round pick. It's not like they never go early, but when you watch uh, Ole Udo, he's a, only played on the right side ever, which is fine because personally I'd like to ultimately replace Chris Hubbard. Um, but the stuff that stands out to me with him, uh, when he was at the Shrine game in St. Pete, he'd never played guard before he got in there and competed, but he looked flexible. And, you know, his size, that's impressive. And I think he gets out of his stance efficiently. It just becomes a matter of having a plan, being able to execute it, and just staying with the guy. I've never watched him and said he's not athletically capable of doing it. Now he's going to have his chance to prove it. But, again, you go back to the Senior Bowl, he's the only guy I saw stop Montez Sweat on back-to-back reps. And he did. it wasn't like, you know – Long reps where Montez Sweat basically didn't get to the quarterback and you're calling it a win. No, he stoned him twice. So, you know, you're betting on the kid that assuming he's a hard worker and, and, you know, I listened to Risden on here and he makes him sound like a prince. Uh, And you know know Jeff gets inside these guys' heads. So Jeff gets good info out of him. So if if you can get a guy like that, he's sort of the prototype for what you want this staff to have. James Campen, this is his trademark. So, yes, you want him. You want guys like him, Titus Howard, those type of guys. Now, Titus Howard may go much earlier. Uh, he's allegedly going to test super, super well. But those are the type of guys, those project guys, smaller school guys, may not have played against the highest level competition. You get them there, you get them going, and you get them ready for next year or down the road. And you get a guy like Oliudo, then it puts a lot of pressure on a guy like Desmond Harrison to really put up or shut up. Hopefully he's already been doing that. Uh, but, yeah, for the first it time becomes a life. really, really good competition, and you get the cream of the crop. All right. Now, uh, Pete, look, uh, I know he's still high for you and very well still may end up as your first tackle. Uh, Washington State, Andre Dillard, 6'5", 315, 10-inch hands, 33-and-a-half-inch arms, wingspan almost 81, 
Your boy Andre here, obviously got to see him down in Mobile here. Going to be a big weekend for him here. Uh, you know, can he crash this party, you know, into the first round of the offensive tackle class? Right. So he, he uh, before the season, this was one of Bruce Feldman's freak athlete guys. Um, his tape, look, he, he's lauded for being a, a really, really good pass protector. I uh, certainly earned that. I thought he had some question marks in, in that at the Senior Bowl. But the thing he did at the Senior Bowl, which you don't really get to do too much at Washington State, is he was an ass-kicking road, blo- road grading run blocker. And that's the thing where you get to prove that. And now you're saying he's got great tape as a pass blocker. He's got great tape here as a run blocker. And it's not he like did it with effort. It's he did it the right way. Uh, locked on, feet driving, taking guys out the club type thing. He has all the tools you want. And, and I understand like they signed Greg Robinson for a year and people are already talking about, well, if he's successful, they could keep him at some point whether it's you know a guy like uh, Greg Robinson or a guy like Hubbard or a guy like Zeitler, they're going to have to make a decision about which guys are going to get paid. They can't pay five premium offensive line contracts. Nope. They're going to have to make a decision on Treader here. I think he should get an extension personally, and I think the interior for the Browns is more important than the tackles. Uh, and you know whether it's a competition thing, the fact that John Dorsey has always been proactive with offensive linemen, Andre Dillard or, or uh, uh, Geron, the Florida kid could conceive if they're at 17th pick, you know, I, I tend to doubt they make it that far. But if they're there, it would not surprise me at all if if John Dorsey says we're going to go ahead and take this kid because, A, he's really good. And, B, it's John, it's it's making sure – that Baker Mayfield is always protected. He's the franchise, and, and anything short of that isn't good enough. Well, and I mean, that's the bread and butter. That is the you know the engine that makes it all go. And the other thing is you could start any one of these guys out at right tackle, um, you know, because Chris Hubbard, I mean, you know, played better down the second half, but uh, I don't know if you're necessarily married to that. With Greg Robinson only here on a one-year deal, it could be, hey, you're going to play right tackle for us, you know, this year. You're going to be our piece at left tackle next year. We'll worry about right tackle then. You know, a lot of things of that nature, guys. Um, whether it's Instagram, whether it is Twitter, uh, Locked On NFL Net uh, presence there on both social medias. Every NFL show, whether it's me and the other 31 team shows, uh, whether it's Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino, John Ledyard, uh, John Ledyard, and Trevor Sakema from the draft shows, whether it's Matt Williamson shows, the fantasy shows, everything's pumped through those two accounts on Instagram and Twitter. Locked On NFL Net. If you're not, please make sure you're following on both those accounts, please. Thank you. Now, Pete, uh, we'll, we'll get to see here, and like I said, there's not a big interest here on the interior, but you know, most of these guys that you saw down in Mobile, they are obviously headed here to Indianapolis. Is there anybody, and I, it would probably have to be something that's really going to strike your fancy here on day three, where somebody slipped, almost like similar to like Gennard Avery, like, I'm not sure if I need him, but my God, I cannot watch this kid slip anymore. He's just a really damn good football player. What are a couple of names here that might could surprise maybe fall into that avenue? Uh, I think at that point you're looking at the Oklahoma kids uh, like Ben Powers and those types. Again, you know, I I, I really do believe we're already that, four deep there, <laughs> right? I like well that, but I also just believe that you know he's gonna what his move has been is draft tackles and move them inside. Uh, so honestly, it, the the guys that I think if he if he were to draft somebody that's not a tackle. I think it'd probably be a center. Um, 
which is fine. But, you know, even some of those, you're like, you know, I thought Mitch Hyatt me- measured him well. Uh, you know, there are people who talk about him being a center and those type of things. So my, my, my guess is he's going to end up drafting somebody, you know, Chuma Doga type thing where, yes, technically they're a tackle, they played tackle, but really they're, they're more likely to kick inside on the interior. Well, and that's the thing. It's, you know, look, you're not here to play tackle. And, you know, you talk to most offensive line guys as far as the NFL is you draft four tackles and you draft a center and you build your offensive line from there. Um, so, you know, the interior guys is not really what we're going to have our eyes on this weekend. It's obviously on Friday, certainly on the offensive guys, uh, offensive tackle prospects. You know, that would be the need. I don't know how big it still may be after the Greg Robinson signing. That's, I mean, it's it's tough to say. Obviously, we're not going to be given that information. Uh, Pete, I do want to get to this before we start to close this one up. Um, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago about Brashard Perriman, and this is a great situation, the quarterback. And then I said to you, and it was on Twitter, I said, wait a minute, has he still got the same agent? And he does. And this guy does nothing but cause headaches unless you're one of the elite of the elite. Right, so... You know, if you want to understand how Drew Rosenhaus works, is he basically gets as many clients as he possibly can, and they may or may not be above board in how he gets them. Uh, I, I, he- I, you know what? I will I will go with a story after this because I know of one of them. But go ahead. So he gets this enormous field of players, uh, and basically <clears throat> says, "Look." You know, he's not like a full service thing where, you know, some of these other agencies have, you know, all these people sort of available to you for whatever. Uh, he is basically, look, I'm your agent. I don't have a big staff. You know, you're basically on your own for a lot of this stuff uh, unless you're, you know, one of your, you know, super, super prime guys. So what he tends to do, this is the guy who several years ago at one point wanted to organize a strike by all of his clients to try to get them all a bunch more money. And what he does is he – and what he's doing currently with Brashad Perryman is he's demanding the moon. He did this with Thoreau Pryor, and he plays this by the numbers. He's If he's got, say, 50 clients and he demands the moon for all of them and he gets, let's say, 25%, he's staying paid. He's staying fat, and the players who get those big deals – he sells those success stories to anyone else to try to get them to buy in. But more often than not, they end up in bad deals. And if you go, and I'm sure, I know I've seen articles uh, documenting this, Drew Rosenhaus clients are among the, the highest rate of guys who are broke. And this is what I talk about with if you ever saw If you ever saw that 30 for 30, oh yeah, there's no doubt about it. If you, and this is why I talk about when I mean full service agencies. Some of this is like these agencies have people there to help you plan your retirement. And and obviously there's stories of, of guys with shady investments who have been ripped off. Obviously Bernie Kosar, famously his dad was one of the people. But, you know, there are certainly stories. But a lot of these retirement – a lot of these guys help these guys plan for retirements and do these sort of things so they're taking care of – in terms of life after football, or at least are in a position where they're not going to be destitute. And you have so many of these guys and so many of them are Rosenhaus clients where even if they got big money, 
they end up flat broke because nobody helped them or gave them the education. I know there's plenty of people going, boo-hoo, uh, if I had $100 million, you know, whatever. But it's, a, you know, it, it's some of these things happen. And, and, and some of this is getting – teaching guys to say no. Yep. which is which is a big problem and that's where you get into the thing with the 37 cousins who show up when you find you sign your right. first NFL contract. and that's why I'm using Kozar as an example because you know a lot of people even if they're sitting there talking thinking about spoiled athletes and and the boohoo they can still relate to Bernie Kozar and he ha- that's what happened to him and in addition to the fact his father you know took advantage is he did have a lot of family come and basically say you know, I need help with with this, or we've got a sick kid and all this stuff. And he, the house he needs guy. a roof. We need a new car, and it all adds up. And he was the guy who who you know couldn't say no to anybody. He wanted to help everybody, and that's part of this is teaching guys to be able to say no so they can pr- protect themselves or having somebody else to say no for them, whatever it is. But this is the thing: is is with Terrell Pryor and Terrell Pryor went on, you know, the Tomahawk show with Joe Thomas and, and Andrew Hawkins and basically said, look, this was one of the biggest mistakes. I completely regret this because they did make him an offer that would have been good. He ultimately didn't take it. I'm going to bet on myself. Well, bet on yourself. Take guaranteed money. Well, and Rosenhaus convinced him that he was going to get these massive offers and all this stuff. And then by the end of it, Rosenhaus was basically begging teams to take him. They wouldn't do it. And then he ends up on that terrible contract of Washington, ends up doing nothing there, ends up on another bad contract with the Jets, and now he's basically floating out of the league. And and that's why part of this is, is people sort of, you know, are side-eyeing him a little bit when he says, I wish I would have stayed in Cleveland because, yeah, it's easy to say that now, but this is this is what he does. And, and, and if you're sitting there going, man, I hope Rashad Perryman comes back, I'm with you, but this is – potentially the exact same situation he if hopefully for his sake he will at some point basically say listen you know whether he actually fires rosenhaus or basically just says look you are work my agent you are working for me i like this deal i'm gonna take it i don't want to mess this up i like the situation i like what i have with baker mayfield let's do this and then if we get more money down the road fine but so far the indication is that and and to be fair, this could be in some ways a a play by the Browns to sort of leak this out to try to you know Low ball. save this off because you know they do have Terrell Pryor there sitting there and and as that as an example, but yeah, you, you, this could be a situation where Brashad Perryman and and he may fare better than Pryor did, but I expect he's going to end up you know in free agency ultimately not get the deal he wants and potentially end up in a situation where he might get a little bit more money than he might have gotten here, but maybe in a substantially worse position. And part of this and part of the job of the agent isn't just signing with the team. It's finding the fit. What's going to be best for my guy in terms of fit, in terms of usage? What is going to set my guy up for success? Is it going to play with Joe Flacco in Denver, playing with Lamar Jackson in Baltimore, or is it playing with Baker Mayfield in Cleveland? And maybe a little less money, if that's what ultimately it is, would be the smarter play because he knows he has success ready to go in Cleveland. And this is a tough spot for Brashard Perriman because his father, Brett, who was, uh, I believe he was seven or eight years in the league, 
was represented by Drew as well. So it, 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 Burchard's in a, a tough spot here. And the other thing, though, is any front office right now, if Drew Rosenhaus is going to go to him, they're kind of saying, bro, are you trying to break my stones and break my bank over a guy who had three years and nothing and caught 18 balls? All right, you know, like, I mean, dude, what, what are you trying to sell me here? But here's the story. And it's actually kind of funny. Um, both these guys, teammates, they most likely are not going to be with their current team right now. Um, n- not west-west, but at west. Um, one was represented by Drew Rosenhaus. The other one was represented by a smaller agent. Um, the, the, the one who was represented by the smaller agent, they're walking out after a game. Uh, you know, the Drew, Drew's client says, Hey man, I got something for you in my car. Come on over this way. You know, let me get, let me get to this to you before you go, you know, before you start going home. In the back seat of this guy's car is Drew Rosenhaus with a bag with $50,000 offering him to, you know, basically telling him, fire your agent, come with me. I'm going to do better by you. Um, this guy never extended with the team he's on. He's going to be a free agent this year. He tells his smaller agent, well, he told me he could get me Nike, he could get me this stuff, and the smaller agent says, bro, the bigger client that he had on the team wasn't even getting these things. How is he going to get you these things if he couldn't even get him these things? Drew Rosenhaus is the ultimate snake oil salesman. Um, it's, it's just the way he operates. Uh, you know, if you sign with him, I mean, you better make sure you got somebody watching your money because, but now the problem is if you got somebody watching your money and you're paying Drew, you're paying, you know, now you're paying more and more people, which is less and less in your own pocket. He's just, he's, he's out for Drew Rosenhaus. He's out for the top five in his crew that are going to keep him and his family living the best they can. And it's it's what you got to watch out for when you get into it with a guy like Drew Rosenhaus and you know Brashard Perriman. Even if he wanted to get out, I don't know what he could do because you know I don't know the influence his dad has on him or whatever. But maybe sometimes you just got to step on your own two feet, like Pete said, and say, "Look, I'm going to do what's best for me, and this is what's best for me right now." And you know, I, I Drew Rosenhaus. We all know the type of guy he is. You know, oh, no, man, I'm telling you, we can get you three years, fifteen, sixteen guaranteed. Off of 18 catches and a half a season? I don't know about that. I mean, we talked about Greg. We talked about Brashad. As great as what they did this year to at least put themselves into, they are part of the NFL Players Association again. They are contributing players. I don't know how much people are going to say, you know, nine week, nine starts in Cleveland or, you know, Brashad's history, which was, I think, 218 snaps. I don't know if that's enough to rewrite the narrative that had already been written on these guys. So that's just stuff you got to worry about. Look, I like Bashard back. I, I think the, I think everything fits. I'd like to keep Baker as comfortable as possible going into year two. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can find guys that are going to do what Bashard Perriman gave you. There's a lot of guys in this class, and we're going about to find we're going to find out Saturday that there's a lot of these guys in this class. Well, that. But here's the thing that's going to happen, and you know, th- this is how it works is. How much is the player and how much is Baker Mayfield? Uh, this True. is welcome to the world that we now live still, in. But you still got to catch it. Oh, there's no <laughs> I'll question. Give, I'll give it's you just, that. <laughs> it's just how, you know, you look at you, you look at some guys, you know, Tom Brady being a great example. How many guys have left the Patriots that proceeded to do basically nothing uh, once they got away from him? And I think some of that will affect these guys who are who are trying to get money elsewhere or they may get it. And then, you know, they become buyer beware guys. Uh, that's also going to be a, a role, uh, play a role in this. And that's going to make it 
that's going to be playing part with John Dorsey and company, how they view this is basically, you know, obviously they, they, they made an offer to Bashad Perry on him back, but I don't expect they extend themselves on some of these guys. Uh, you know, I will be surprised if they extend a multi-year offer to Richard Higgins. I think they're going to end up just tendering him in the second round, give him $3.1 million. I think they're going to use these short-term contracts, especially because he's just a rookie, and let you know, let another year sort of figure out how much is them and how much is Mayfield before they really make a big play to keep these guys long-term. And the other thing is you got to remember there are some uh, a lot bigger pieces coming down the line here eventually. So, you know, I think that's why, Greg, they were more than comfortable with a one-year deal. Uh, Bouchard, I think that's probably something similar to what they're working for as well. Um, guys, this has been your daily delivery of uh, all things Dog Pound. Uh, Pete Smith here from NFL Spin Zone, guys. Obviously, we're going to take you through this combine coverage here. Uh, maybe we'll get something up for you tomorrow night, um, but you know, we'll come back with uh, you know wraps Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday, all that stuff. Um, we'll get you a defensive back preview. That's the only one that's missing here. Almost seems weird to put it out you know, f- you know, this far in advance, so maybe we'll get to that over the weekend as well. Um, Read Pete's work over at NFL Spin Zone. Make sure you're following him at Lockdown Browns, the Twitter account. We always keep it a follow-back account, guys. You know that. Actually, I was talking with one fan today out in Ohio just asking some questions or whatever, and it turned out actually that his wife grew up about 10 minutes from me here in New Jersey. So small, small world, guys. Anything, you're always free to you know, reach out over there. Follow me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Um, like I said, guys, uh, the support here, you know, let's try to close out this month the best we can here. If we can end up making it another record month with three days less to work with, that's fantastic. If not, don't worry about it because we're going to plow through all those numbers in March and April. So don't worry about that. But I do thank you guys for everything. Like I said, daily deli- this has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound, LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.